This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I'm joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. Hi, Judy. Happy day. I always want to say like what day it is, but it doesn't matter because when you listen to this, it's Wednesday, Wednesday, hopefully, (laughs) or another day, like who knows what day you're listening to it. So hi, how's your week going? It's good. It's good. Um, This week, our kids are on spring break. So it's always fun and interesting to juggle work and kids and real life and a bunch of other stuff. So I think your kids are on spring break too, right? Yeah. Oh, my mom's in town this week. Okay. Um, so thankfully I have a little more help with, I was, I was supposed to be on vacation all week, but I ended up working for a few days of it. So, but it's good. At least the kids are, and my mom, she's really here for them anyway. She's Mm -hmm. not here to see me, (laughs) but uh, they're all just entertaining each other while I'm trying to get some work done. Yeah. It must be so fun for Penelope and Nathaniel to have your mom there this week and then not too far away. They're going to be with our kids. Or my kids. I know. Yeah. So, um, and if you're listening to this and you don't know, so obviously our kids are friends and um, have gotten to hang out in person before um, last year. And then we just booked a trip. We're going to go stay with Judy's family. My whole family is going to go to Austin for the weekend that we're doing this meetup that's coming up, which is turning crazy. So before we started (laughs) recording, Judy and I were kind of talking about that. Like, we don't know how to do anything small, right? It always turns into this like, hey, we should plan a little meetup. And then the next thing you know, it turns into this huge thing again. So um, our whole family is going to go to Austin. The kids are going to play with, um, my kids are going to play with Judy's kids. Our husbands are going to play together. (laughs) And then um, we're going to go to the meetup. Chris is going to come to the meetup though. He's excited too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it'll be fun to do a community event. I mean, it's been almost... It's crazy because it's been almost a year since we did the last Austin meetup and it's been almost a year since we've started 
cutting against the grain. Actually, this is the 52nd episode. It's been a year. And we recorded some in person together, but they, so it is about exactly your, but yeah, 52 and you clearly will not let us skip a week (laughs) of recording. So we know for a fact it's been 52 weeks. If it was up to me, we might've had 25 in the last year, but we have 52 episodes in exactly 52 weeks. Yes. Because we have to support with consistency, but (laughs) (laughs) it's good for me. You bring me structure. I love it. It's funny how much we've come full circle and it's been one year and it's been exciting. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's been a really good, uh, I think I've learned a lot just being able to like have these conversations with you, um, every, every week. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's challenged me a lot to being a support for the community and balancing like emotions versus what's, um, helpful for the community. So it's been really good for me as well. And just, um, sharing a side of me that I don't share anywhere else on the nutrition with Judy platforms, I think is it's been really cool and cathartic for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> we have laughter. We have crying. Totally. Like you never know what you're going to get when you're listening to this. And I think, I mean, I think people understand the importance of community. They understand the importance of meetups, mainly because I know that people reach out to us. I, I mean, you and I both get questions almost daily of how do I deal with people in my life who are not supportive? Right. Uh, or how do I deal with you know, my family member, how do I convert my husband? How do I deal with my mother-in-law who cooks, you know, bakes homemade bread for me every time I go to her house. And so like, while we all know that these meetups are so powerful and, you know, whether it's like a local meetup in your area, I do them when I fly around the country and we have dinner with five, six people. And it's means so much just to like, to get together with people in your area. Um, one of these really big you know, pre-scheduled meetups like we're doing in Austin or even like a huge convention or something like KetoCon where you have speakers, like all of these things can be so inspiring and so motivating. It's not like while they're so, you know, help you fill up your cup and feel so refreshed and motivated going to them. How do you maintain that when you're not at a meetup or when you're dealing with your real job and the temptations that come in your everyday real life? Um, because that's the kind of stuff that people have to deal with every single day. I think that's why it is important to go to these meetups, especially if you have one local to you. If you've ever been to one of those conventions, or if you haven't, I highly recommend going to like a keto con or a low carb conference, um, or a lot of the other ones in all the different places in the US and internationally. I think there's a really big one in um, Australia as well, especially when we're not listening to the dietary recommendations from mainstream media, which are advocating for canola oil and fiber and eating whole grains in the morning. And when you don't follow that, um, it's already a lonely, I guess, journey. And when you meet other community members that follow your way of eating, you don't have to go, oh, this is why my kids aren't eating the orange juice or, or this is why I'm only eating meat or I'm carrying my own salt. Uh, you don't have to explain things like that because people get it. And it is that connection is really, really hard to articulate. You you just have this, oh my gosh, I see you, I get you, I understand it. And even if you just make one friend or one conversation at those events, it makes it more than worthwhile to go. You feel invigorated and you feel this motivation and inspiration to keep going. And, and it helps you to stay steady. And I think that's why there's some people that I see literally go to every single convention and event. And I think there's one like almost every month, but otherwise you can go to ones that are local to you or make a friend that's close to you or have an online friend that you can chat about things like this because it's so important. And it's most important if you don't have the community that's around you 
that eats the same way as you. And I think, Laura, you your family eats meat-based, but my husband doesn't. So he eats, I mean, he eats heavy meat, but he still adds carbs. And and it can get hard, right? So there were balances that I needed to make with him. I had to make boundaries of, okay, there are certain trigger foods for me. Please don't have it in the house while I'm trying to heal. And although he didn't agree with carnivore at the very beginning onset of me eating this way, out of respect for me, he did that. And so there was no cereal in the house. There were certain foods that are very triggering for me. And so he didn't have that. Fast forward all these years, he'll have certain junk foods that I used to eat a lot, but it doesn't bother me anymore. And so he'll have some and, and it's fine. And it's just figuring out those boundaries. I think the biggest thing is to figure out what do you need to help you be successful and eating this way, and then finding the right people in your life to plug and play at those moments. So if you know that a friend, like I, I know I have certain friends that if I was struggling, I probably shouldn't call them because they'll probably be like, oh, let's just go grab a drink or let's go eat some ice cream. Right. Don't, you know, be a moderator. There's no point. And, and so they're probably not the people to call, even though they love me just as much. It's just, they're not the right person. And then there's other people that will give me tough love that it's like, you need to keep going. You know, that you struggled with mental health and so on and so forth. And I, I think one of the first things is to identify those people and then even get your own why right right? Just figuring out your community, what you need to make you successful, and then picking out the right people to help you keep going. Isolation feeds addiction. And a lot of us that are in this way of eating have either a history of um, disordered eating or even just a food addiction or issues with food where we can't moderate. Um, it's not that simple for us just to eat a balanced diet and to exercise more in order to be healthy. And right. So, um, you know, I think that not surrounding yourself with people who understand that and encourage you in a positive way makes it so much harder. And I think that, you know, thinking that you have to be truly perfect or fixed or, you know, in a, in a, your goal weight, whatever that is, before you show up at one of these meetups is just not the mindset that people need to have, right? People come to these meetups with amazing success stories, but there's a lot of people that also come going, this is day one for me, or I started a month ago when I scheduled to come to this meetup. And this is, I'm now at two weeks in because I had planned to come here and then, or, you know, I came to that meetup a month ago and now I'm 30 days in, like this could be a motivating moment for people and avoiding it because you think that you're not really where you want to be yet, or you haven't healed enough, or you have, you're not skinny enough. Like these are all, that's that, you know, negative talk coming in, or that's the devil trying to keep you from healing or, you know, whatever. I know our friend uh, Jessica has that amazing (laughs) phrase that she always talks about. And I think she said it on the podcast um, that we did with her too, but you know, it's something trying to keep you in within your addiction and to keep you isolated. And I think that's like you said too, there's those friends who are going to bring you down in that way. And so, um, when it's family members, I think that's the hardest part. I I've said often that I don't know if Chris was still full on eating carbs and, um, junk food, like we used to, if I would have been able to maintain it this long. And it's, um, And that being said, even I couldn't have forced him to start with me. You know, he started a month after I did um, because he had some other events that were going on. He wanted to eat bad for before we started. But it still was also like my determination, my consistency, my results that really helped convince him and my mom and other people um, in my life to try this. And 
you know, it's hard. It is hard though, when you don't have that support around, which is why attending events like this can be so helpful. Yeah. I have a lot of clients lately that they're the only person in their family that eats carnivore meat based. And so their husband or their wife is not meat based. And then their children are pretty much still eating a standard American diet. And they struggle with how do I just keep afloat eating this way. And so oftentimes, it's really just have the one, it's the mindset, it's not feeling bad for yourself, right? So one of my clients was like, Oh, everyone eats cookies around me. And I, I help them make it, but I can't even taste it. And it just makes me feel sad. Like I'm at I'm, I'm losing out or I'm missing out. And, and that perception made her always struggle when they were having these Friday night events of their family eating a lot of junk foods. And we switched that mindset. So we talked through it, we grieved about it. And we said, you know, you're not you don't feel well, if you don't eat a ketogenic diet. And it's instead of thinking that you're losing out on the cookie, why don't you think about, well, when I eat ketogenic, and I don't eat that cookie, I gain my health and I gain my ability to be present for my children. And I can be a mom and I can be there for my kids. And so a lot of times, it's that shift in perspective. I remember when I first was going carnivore and our kids, you know, that uh, do it yourself yogurt shops, they would all go there and I would sit in the car and go, I'll just wait here because I couldn't eat the samples and I couldn't do it. And I, and I would feel sad for myself. And I, I remember even feeling bitter towards my husband. Like, how can you come here when I'm going through? Right. And, and I started right. feeling like, no, like I'm choosing my health. And once that perspective changes where it's like, Oh, not woe is me. Like I am sad and I'm missing this. I get it. Those foods taste good. And they're meant to taste very palatable, because it's sugar induced. But if we think of it, like I'm making the decision to be healthier and to live a vibrant life. And I know it's sometimes harder. But I don't wake up with pain. I don't wake up with these addictions and low moods, like it's worth it. And the more you carry on, you'll feel those benefits and you'll feel why it's worth it. It's really important to change the mindset. Instead of woe is me, like I'm so limited, but instead thinking of I'm empowering myself with I'm choosing foods that will fuel my body, come 10, 20 years, I will have the vibrant health that maybe the people that haven't been eating this way are struggling with. And hopefully I can be a beacon of hope for my loved ones around me. Yeah, Dr. Saives talked with our in our episode that we did with him about like, making that decision of yes, I can have that food, I'm choosing not to have that food. And for me, trying to have one bite of cake is impossible. But being able to say like, I'm not going to have any cake, because I'm even I, I don't even think I can be motivated myself to think long term like that. It's that I will wake up tomorrow with acne, with joint pain, with headaches, with muscle aches, like I'm going to feel terrible if I eat this way. And really, I mean, listen, I've had to go through that of many times of actually giving in and feeling that. And then it's reminding yourself that this is not worth it. Um, and so I think too, explaining that to other people where, when we talk about it from a weight loss and a diet perspective, I think it's hard for us to keep pushing through, but also it's hard for other people to understand because they want you to give in. They want you to be like doing what they're doing, you know, they're feeling insecure. So they pressure you for that way. But if you even just tell people like, Oh, I have negative reactions to that type of food. Like I can't have that. Like, you know, not even making of like, I'm on a diet or I don't even, I don't eat carbs. It's just like, 
oh, no, thank you. I'm good. And then if, you know, your mother-in-law is pushing you to eat something that, you know, is not going to make you feel good, it's just saying like that food causes me some um, negative reactions. So I'm no, thank you. Like, and trying to, I mean, you don't even have to lie and say that it's an allergy or something, but it's just saying that I don't, no, thank you. It looks amazing. It smells amazing. I know you've worked so hard on it, but um, I, based on my health, I can't really uh, have that. So thank you very much anyway. Yeah. And I think the biggest tactic people use in it unknowingly is, oh, come on, live a little, right? Like if there's dessert right. or there's an appetizer, uh, moderation is key. Like a little bit of sugar is not going to hurt you. But I know in those moments when someone says that to me, and I had a lot of consulting partners and managers that used to say that stuff to me, and I would like shrivel in my own skin. I would feel this, feel this wave of heat on you. I, I think it's shame. And I would feel this but I don't want it, but you're making me feel bad for not wanting it or saying that I'll eat it. And sometimes I would cave in and then I would be really angry with myself because I just caved in. But I really think that's where the boundary should be set. And so you can laugh it off and go, yeah, but you know, maybe next time I don't feel like it this time. Right. And never put yourself second in those situations. I've tried that. And then I would get mad at myself. And I noticed back in my behavior days, I would end up binging and I would purge and I would purge because you weren't able to stand up for yourself. And it was almost like this self-inflicting wound to myself. And I think we do that when we don't stand up for our own value. And if you don't want something, just say no. And I know that's really hard, but you can walk away from the situation or diffuse it for a little bit. But I think it's just really important to honor yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the people pleasing element where like, I don't want that. I didn't want it. I planned ahead. I even am not even hungry. Like I ate before I came. So I know I'm not hungry. But then there's this element of like the eyes are on you and somebody that you love and, and loves you is feeling hurt because of the decision that you're making. And unfortunately, like it has to, like that, that's on them to, to kind of figure out why that that's making them feel that way. And maybe you can find a different way to show them love in that moment. But, you know, I think that it's really hard sometimes just to stand up for yourself um, and say no anyway. And so things like planning ahead, offering to bring something like I've been to many a barbecues at a friend's house where I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to bring a bunch of meat that we can throw on the grill when we come over or you know, Chris and I always joke that like our house is where everybody comes now because like we obviously have a lot of friends who are non-carnivores and I love having them over to our house and they really don't invite us over very much. <laughs> it's more so because they know when we, when they come to our house, like we have the grills, we have all, not that I expect people to cook all this stuff for us and, and do it this way. But I mean, it was one of the joys that we've had of like finding this house is in this backyard and, and, and this place here is like being able to entertain people. And so we try to, you know, have, I try to control and have things at my house as much as possible so that I'm able to make sure that I know what I'm eating and plan ahead for that. Or, you know, if, if it's at somebody's house, for some reason, I either like super load up before I go, or I offer just to bring something. Coming from an Asian culture, the Korean culture, the way that our culture shares love is not directly through I love you's. There's not a lot of like the physical touch. Luckily, my parents were very much like that. And so the way that parents share their love, though, is by food. And so oftentimes, your mom will call you while you're in college and say, Hey, um, have you eaten today? That's like the first thing they say. And really, that's how they're saying, how are you? I miss you. I love you. And so for my parents, even when I would come home from college, and my eating disorder had started, they didn't understand when I didn't want to eat. And I had to tell them, 
I'm struggling with this thing and it's not about your food or that I don't love you or that I'm not eating meat. This is something I'm dealing with. And I had to have them understand and make them understand it's not about them. And sometimes that's just what we need to do. There's a lot of cultures that really surround uh, food as the center, center of love and communication and connection. And we can still do that with the meats that we want to or the foods we want to eat. But if there's a certain person that made a certain thing, you can share love in other ways, right? Maybe you say, oh, yeah, I don't want your pie, but I'd, I'd love to hear how you made it or um, what have you been up to lately, right? And switch it back to something that they are still sharing them and that they'll feel that you are hearing them and you see them and you love them. And th- I, I had to learn that and it was really hard for me to do, especially being a people pleaser. Um, I had to have my friends and my family and my parents understand that, hey, I may not eat your thing, but please don't feel offended. Like I genuinely love you. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to understand yourself and what you can handle. Are you the type of person who can go to one of those events and eat that special food on the special holiday or, you know, um, whatever the holiday is, there's a different holiday every month, like, right? Like Easter's coming up. Easter has the best treats, uh, that always I used to stock up on all the time. And so it's knowing like, can I eat these foods over Easter? Can I eat those special treats, those special desserts, like whatever that might be, and then get back on track again. And I told myself that lie for years and years that I could do that, but I would completely spiral out of control because I definitely could not do that. And so if you're the type of person who can have that cheat every once in a while and maintain health, right? Cause at the end of the day, it's all about health. Are you able to stay healthy moderating certain foods and having those treats occasionally eating what you want on holidays and then getting back on track afterwards. It's not about like being perfect and keeping those foods out of your diet a hundred percent of the time. It's saying like, where are you the healthiest and the happiest and the most mentally free? And I am not that way when I'm trying to incorporate cheat foods or have cheat meals and cheat days. They really physically throw me off. Uh, and it's a total emotional and mental struggle for me for a very long time afterwards. And so it's really important for me that I don't do those things, but if you can have a great time, enjoy it. I just can come up with an excuse to eat bad every single day and convince myself that like, man, today was a really stressful day and really crazy. I deserve a treat today. And I can come up with one of those every day of the week, 365 days a year. And so to have none ends up making it so much easier than trying to get on and off the wagon again. So obviously you have friends that are not meat-based and then you have friends that are in the carnivore community. How did you expand your network and did you say goodbye to some friendships? I mean, how did that all work out in your life? Yeah, I think I've told a story before. I had a friend who she and I were always kind of like a hot mess together where we were constantly like starting and stopping diets together. And I was usually the one that was caving first and was kind of a disaster. And, um, you know, I was the one who never could stick to it. And then she was always getting me to restart some diet with her on Monday mornings again. And we did that cycle together for a couple of years. Well, then I finally like got it together and didn't fall apart and didn't fall off the wagon constantly and didn't need her to pick me up all the time again. Like I wasn't her hot mess friend who was constantly falling off the wagon. And in in a lot of ways that friendship dissolved, like that was the role that we played. And she really wasn't interested in having somebody who was no longer falling apart and emotionally needed her. Like I was fine. And then, you know, the relationship kind of fell apart. It was really awkward. Um, 
I think over time, you know, I definitely have expanded through social media. You know, I have some, even before I had like a following or any, you know, number of people online or before we were doing all these things, like I just met people through the carnivore community online. And a lot of them now have become real life friends where I've flown across the country multiple times to meet somebody in person that I had just gotten to know through, um, through being online again. And I, I mean, especially like most of the people that I'm friends with who are non-carnivores, it's because they have kids, my kids, same age. And, you know, we are just, we're just normal friends. Like it's so nice having normal friends where you don't actually talk about meat all the time and like eating meat. And Hey guys, we're like, let's not announce that I only eat meat like outside of this podcast and like Instagram and YouTube and all of the social media things. I really don't talk about it very much. And like, I am a normal person in my job and, um, a lot of people I would assume, right. I'm changing departments regularly now apparently (laughs) at my job. And like a lot of people I would assume don't know how I eat and that I eat this way. Um, you know, people in my real life until we actually like start having meals together. And, and even then it's not always super noticeable. Um, it doesn't have to be the center of my conversations with most people anymore. And honestly, in the beginning, I didn't know how to not talk about it. It was all I knew because I needed it to be the four focus, like the main focus that I had to be able to stay on track for the first year or two. And now it's a lot easier to kind of just like feel like I'm living this normal life and not having to make it like the first thing that I think about all the time. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that shifts because I think you and I started closer to the same time. So I went through the same thing. I was totally obsessed about everything nutrition. And I mean, obviously I still am. But over the years, I feel that it shifts, like you said. So funny story, at that birthday party, I was talking to one of the moms that goes to our son's like, non-traditional half part-time school. And so we're talking and we have kids in the same class. And then we're just talking about the differences of the pandemic and a lot of things. And I was like, oh my gosh, we totally are eye to eye. Um, I noticed her child wasn't eating the cake. Oh, maybe it's the food dye. Maybe it's, (laughs) I'm just thinking all these things in my head, right? And so I asked her, I was like, oh, so uh, why isn't your daughter eating the cake? And she's like, oh, we're plant-based. And I was like, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) <laughs> so, but you know what? I will I will say this though. You probably have a lot more in common with her than you do with a lot of other carnivores just because of the, you know, the lines and the way how close you are with like from a political standpoint mm-hmm. and schooling and you know, like with church and uh all those things. At first I was like, "Oh, I oh man, I hope she doesn't find out what I'm doing." You know how the thought is. I think most plant-based people, it's a lot of times it's the environmental moral impact. And I just didn't want to get into that. And I thought she was a great person. And we talked about so many other things than just about the diet. And I thought it was really interesting because my mindset was for sure it's the gluten, maybe the dairy, or maybe it's the food diet. And it was totally not what I expected. Um, But you know, and I realized I can be friends with people that are plant-based. We may disagree. Maybe there's one day that she would be willing to listen to what I had to share, especially because we had such similar values in all other areas. But it's just, it's really interesting that it wasn't a part of our conversation, right? A, A lot of the food wasn't at least. And it gets tricky because if you start a diet with someone, then it gets really good to motivate each other. But if one person falls off, there are 
I guess, studies that they show that this happens that one, if one person in like a relationship falls off from the diet, then the chance of the other person falling off is really high. So that's where it gets tricky when you do it with friends and you're like, okay, let's all go in on this carnivore thing. And if you all start and then someone falls off, the chance of you falling off is much easier. So have eggs in a basket where you will find a community and friends that will keep you motivated, but then also be careful that have an identity outside of carnivore too, where you can be friends with vegans as hard as that can be sometimes, but have friendships outside of that. And like you said, for me, it's also my kids jujitsu. It's also my church. It's also my kids, their classes. And then even just in my community for other things that I do as well outside of the carnivore community. But the most important thing is just to have community and to be acknowledged and love for who you are. And it could be something outside of the meat world. And if the last two years has taught us nothing else, it's the importance of community in yeah. general in the world. And like, I think that's where obviously I have very strong opinions on the last two years. <laughs> and if you follow my content regularly, I don't really openly talk about it, but you probably get a sense for the fact that like our family has been living our lives uh, as normal as possible in the last two years, you know, in the summer of every year uh, I've went and visited my 90 year old grandparents uh, and we spend a lot of time with family and I travel every week. And like, you know, I think you've sometimes, you know, when you watch the news or you talk to other people, you feel like you're watching two different movies on the same screen where sometimes I look at the way that I live my life, which is, you know, the, obviously like I live my life very open and, um, and spending time with a lot of people that I love over the last couple of years. And then you watch the way that somebody else is living their life. And you're like, we are not on the same, like, I don't know how to relate to that. And I don't know how to understand what you're going through. And it doesn't even matter at that point, like what I eat. And we have found our community outside of carnivore has gotten extremely tight knit Like in some ways it's gotten smaller because I'm more protective of who I let inside of that community. And I, and the things that I value as far as, um, you know, just in-person relationships and how my kids are going to be raised and the community that they're being provided. That's why the things like the jujitsu community we have here and our family and just close friends that we have from our church, like those, our circle has gotten smaller, but it's gotten tighter over the last two years. And like, that's what I want my kids to remember, um, over the last couple of years. And I'm, you know, I, I, listen, people can do what they want. This is where, you know, we can live those separate lives and you can protect yourself in whatever way that you feel is necessary. But it is very interesting how drastically my circle and community has changed over the last two years. Uh, simply because of the choices that we've made. And it has nothing to do with food because of that. I have had best friends since junior high, and we have always been a tight-knit group. And even me moving to Austin didn't really impact that. And then even me being keto didn't really impact that. But then going carnivore didn't really matter much too. But the last two years definitely made an impact. And so I think I've just come to a realization that We are really different. And even if we were to hang out, if I lived in LA, I don't know if I'd be hanging out with them anymore because our lives are so different and I'm okay with that. And I think they're okay with that. And it's just, we're just choosing to live our lives differently and raise our kids differently. And I think that's just the part of life. I feel that 
you know, God puts people in our lives at different times. And we have every person has a value and a learning lesson in your life. And for some people, it's just a temporary spot. And I know that's so sad to say, but there will always be other people in your life that you meet and you um, share life with, but that doesn't mean it's always forever permanent. And that's okay. And that's something that was really hard for me to accept to understand that I may have to let go of my 20 plus year friends, but you know, they'll always be my friends. It's just, they may not be part of my inner circle anymore. And that's okay. I mean, yeah, I always, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on our episode a long time ago with, um, with Eleanor and about personalities. And I always just thought I was broken because I don't have these friends from elementary school that I've been friends with. Like I don't have long-term friends. And I always thought it was just this something inside of me that wasn't very, maybe I'm not very likable. I still, how many years have we been friends, Judy? We're coming up on the expiration date, maybe, but I think it's just that I evolve. Right. I am absolutely not the same person that I was five years ago and five years before that. And five years before that, like, I'm just definitely not that same person anymore. And you can't expect other people to change with you Mm -hmm. at the same rate as you, or even to understand that. And obviously family is family, but, um, you don't have, like people aren't going to kind of be where you are all the time in your life. We go through different phases in our life. And I think different people support that. And while for the most part, I'm not like cutting people out of my life. Uh, it's just, you naturally grow apart from people. And I think a lot of people have experienced that over the last two years, um, where they're just drifting apart because at the end of the day, there's some people that I just don't have anything to talk to about anymore. Like we are living two very different lives and I can't say something that's not going to, you know, be offensive. And so I choose to, I'm not going to, I don't get in arguments with people. And I think this is the other thing is people are like, how do I convince somebody to be plant-based or how do I can, or to carnivore (laughs) or whatever, like there, nobody's going to change my mind, whether it's about what I do with my kids, how I raise my kids, what I do with my body, what I do with my time and what I eat. You can't change my mind. Uh, I'm stuck. So why would I expect to be able to change somebody else's in that way? Right. We just have to live our lives and people can see that example. I have had my mind changed all the time, but it's just because I was in a place where I was ready to receive that information. I went looking for it myself. I saw some results that made me curious that I looked into more. Like these are all decisions that are coming from within me and not because it was forced upon me. And I think we've seen that in the last two years, if nothing else. So I have an older brother and we were always very, very close and whatever he did, like I followed suit. So he's the one that went to Berkeley and then I was like, well, I'm going to go to Berkeley. And so that's why I went there. And, and he's the one that majored in psychology. And I'm like, well, I want to study psychology. So I definitely was the little sister that wanted to do everything that my brother did. So we've always been really close. And in the last two years, um, and everything you can disagree about, we disagreed about. So we were very, very different in all of everything that happened. And we've been into arguments about it because it affected our parents and their decisions of like getting the vaccine and things like that. And I think over time, it's my brother, though, and I love him. And there's we were so close on so many levels. And so the way that we found connection still is we decided not to talk about certain things that would get us bothered. And because I still wanted to salvage our relationship, 
we talk about our kids and our, we have the same age kids essentially, and all of them are boys. And so we, and his son does jujitsu as well. So there's connection that way. And our kids both play Mario Kart, for example. So instead of focusing on the things that we would absolutely argue about, we talk about the things that we get along about. And so that's another way we can do it is if you care enough about a relationship, find the things that you can talk about that you can connect with. And those are the things that are important. I don't talk to my brother. He doesn't do keto anymore. I don't say, why are you eating carbs? Why are you? I mean, it's, he's a big grown up person. He can make those decisions on his own. I pray for him every day. And and I hope that he will find low carb again one day. Um, I think everyone can do better on it, but I'm not going to push that. But instead, I focus on what will allow us to be connected and have a relationship as siblings so that the cousins can also get along. And so you may right. have to do that if it's a person that you can't cut out of your life or you don't want to cut out of your life, find the parts of your relationship where you guys can connect, where you can love on each other. And I think it's more than anything, protect yourself in all of this. Like, you know, as much as we want to please other people or sometimes even the stress of other people not changing uh, and not being supportive of us can be really hurtful. And then that hurtfulness causes us to want to seek comfort in food. And so it's finding the root cause of why do I feel this way? Why am I choosing to soothe myself in this way? What do I need to do? to avoid those temptations? What do I need to work on with myself to not use food as an emotional crutch any longer? And I mean, honestly, like I I know a lot of people have messaged saying that they're listening to that Dr. Sives episode that we did on repeat. And I have old episodes of podcasts that I listen to multiple times when I'm feeling that I need motivation or people that I call. And, And while having people that you can call or visit or have lunch with who understand you is ideal. Um, you know, there's, there's an online community. There's lots of support groups. There's just lots of people who are available to help support you, even if there's not somebody like in your family or in your town. And if you don't know of anybody who that is, then come to a meetup and we will introduce you to people who live near you. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is mindset. So if you feel like you have to do a keto diet, you have to do carnivore because you are metabolically damaged or you have a food addiction and you unfortunately got this lot in life and you're forced to do these, that mindset will always make you feel like you're missing out on something. And so- And just trapped. Right. And so I always say, just focus on empowerment, focus on that you are doing these things to be around long term that you can celebrate or argue with people long term. And so I I think the mindset part is huge, like figure out why you're doing this and that you want to do this. It's not that you're missing out on all these foods, but that you're choosing to eat meat because you want to heal because you want to be free from all these food addictions and all of these other things that don't allow you to live your real life. I think that is that was a really big turning point for me. It's it's just it's a change in mindset. And I think that's really important. And then like we were talking about going to these meetups can be life changing. I've met several people online in person there. And then we've continued a friendship, you know, I've met you at the meetups as well. And I think they're really important to just like solidify friendships. And there's something about being in person and reading body cues, being able the power of touch, all of these things really make a conversation much more important than asking random people on Facebook. Right. If you guys can make it to the Austin meetup, it would be wonderful. It'd be great to see you guys. I know Kevin Stock is coming from Meet Health and he never goes to meetups. So this is going to be really cool. Um, I'm a big fan of his because one of the first ways I started Carnivore was I read his 
how to start carnivore guide. And so I always feel indebted to him for making that. And so it'd be really cool to see him. And then, you know, obviously, Brian Sanders and Laura will be there. But yeah, it would be really nice to see everyone. And then worst case, if you don't go, KetoCon is just a couple months later. Yeah. And then also I think in, there's like a low carb conference in October that Judy's speaking at that's in Las Vegas. So there's lots of options. Uh, so we love to give hugs. And so if you, uh, uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of these events or you can schedule one in your area, tag us and we'll try to help you, uh, reshare that and get the word out. But just planning something local in your community, uh, is always a good thing as well. If anything, I hope that this conversation just helps you guys realize that you're not alone. Um, Find the people that can help support you and then lean on the people that you need during the moments of encouragement. If you are a little bit more thoughtful in what you do and who you reach out to and how you do carnivore, sometimes it's a little bit easier. Um, There will be moments it's hard. And if you listen to Dr. Sivess's conversation, it can be hard at times and that's okay. It's just learning in those moments to pick yourself back up and then be smarter the next time. And it's a journey. This journey has to last us 80 plus years. And if what you're doing will last you till then, then maybe it's the right way to do it. And if it's not going to, and if it doesn't seem sustainable, then figure out ways to make this more sustainable so that you can do this for the long term, and that will make you a better, happier person in the long run. Yeah. Hope to see you guys there. Talk to you guys soon. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, nutrition with Judy on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. (laughs) 